This is the Joe and Amber podcast. That's Fitz and Harry. I have often said about both of them, not the sharpest tools in the shed. You know what I mean? I mean, that's Canty and Carlin when they chose me over you and said they liked me over you. I called them both brilliant. Now I have to go the opposite on Fitz and Harry, the show that just precedes Canty and Carlin, because you listen to those guys talk about Miami Heat fans and it's obvious they don't know what they're talking about. It's very odd. It is a disaster. It's obvious they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Harry Douglas knows darn well that I have talked enough smack to him at all times, not just in the fourth quarter last night. But don't worry, I did manage to tweet in the fourth quarter last night and tag, of course, Mr. Harry Douglas. Well, see, that's the thing. You <laughs> And I saw this. I tagged you as well. And I want to be on your side. But in the fourth quarter, the Heat comes storming back. Brilliant performance. We're going to get into the heroics of Jimmy Butler. It was incredible. They come storming back. They take the lead. The place is going nuts. That's when you send the tweet about how great the fans are. And my thought is, this would literally be every fan base in this situation. You think someone's not going to be going nuts if put in that exact same situation? Okay, but that building, like, how would the Garden be in New York if that was playing? That's out? fine, and it probably would be. But also, New York's known for that, right? I mean, the Mecca. Everyone True. says it about MSG. There's crowds like. Boston. There's markets like that, right? That are known to be great markets. And we know those crowds show up and we know they cheer. Miami gets so much heat, pun intended, for their (laughs) fans showing up late. And a lot of people have this idea nationally that Miami's not a good sports town and that they're not passionate. It was something that infuriated us for many, many years when I hosted a local show on Miami radio on the flagship for the heat because it's so many tired takes at the national level and now that I'm here now I'm just amongst the tired takes about the Miami Heat fan it's Kevin Winter it's you it's Harry Douglas now it's Jason Fitz who I always thought was a sweetheart but no more no Fitz is Fitz is eh, I'm not gonna address him right now I I gotta gotta stay focused on the task it is focus on the task it is the reason you take that heat though there's there's two reasons number one you obviously all let it affect you, which means the rest of us are just going to keep piling on every chance we get. Kevin Winter, right at the front of the line, me right next to him. Like the second you see the first quarter tip in a playoff game and no one's there, right to Twitter we go. Right to Twitter we go. We know it bothers you. So it's a little bit of a troll job. But number two, again, I guess people want to believe because we've seen championships in Miami. Shockingly, we've seen a couple World Series in this millennium. The Heat had their run with and without LeBron James. There's been a lot that's gone on down there, and it happens, but you would never see this in Boston, New York, Philly. Uh, If you go to Pittsburgh, if you go to Kansas City, James, that one's for you, so that's our mention of Kansas City for tonight. No more of that. Sorry. Like, you add all that up, those fans are all there. Why can't you be there? You guys are like San Francisco. When I was in San Francisco, it'd be Sunday night baseball. Baumgartner would be pitching against Jake Arrieta, and the Cubs are in town. Huge matchup, and no one's in the stands until the fifth inning. I, like, never could figure that out. But they end up showing up, right? I guess that's the thing from yes, the Heat perspective that's there, so frustrating. But everyone is else that- is already there. That arena for a long time had the longest streak in the NBA of sellouts. And it's an, it really is a very, very good fan base, that Miami Heat fan base. But they are late. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. They are late to get into their seats at the beginning the of the issue? game. Who cares? They're there when it matters. And boy, were they there last night when it mattered. When we all witnessed 
what might be the best performance in NBA history. I mean, I say oh, kind of in right. jest, but it's the best performance in the history of sports internationally, and I'm including <laughs> soccer. Like, that's how amazing last night felt. By the way, it's the first round. I am aware of that. It felt like an NBA Finals game to me last night. Jimmy Butler in game four last night, 56 points on 28 shots. That is the fourth highest scoring playoff game in NBA history. He is amongst people named Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And Jimmy Butler's doing it against Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's doing it against Drew Holiday. He's doing it quite literally against the best defenders in the game. And Jimmy Butler is a player that people call him a star, Joe, but people don't call him a superstar. And yet in the playoffs, he goes to this next level, even though he denies it, that there's such a thing as playoff Jimmy. He goes to this next level that makes him like the greatest player in the history of the universe. Like it's bizarre. Uh, uh, Again. All it does is kind of make me realize that regular season Jimmy Butler, really lazy. Because apparently when he feels like it, he can be Michael Jordan. Well, okay. So there's something to that. I don't know if we want to use the word lazy, but this is what the NBA (laughs) has become. It was like Kawhi Leonard in game one against Phoenix, right? Like Kawhi misses so much time. And then the second the playoffs start, he has that brilliant game one in the upset win over the Phoenix Suns. And Butler's kind of similar. Like, the Heat this year were terrible on the road. They ranked bottom five in the NBA in field goal percentage and three-point percentage. They were very inconsistent throughout the course of the year. They had some really head-scratching losses. And then the moment they get to the playoffs, they decide it's time to turn it on. It just continues to, on one hand, the positive show that it's great that these guys get up and can reach these levels at the highest possible point of competition. I absolutely love it. But on the other hand, it does reinforce how lacking in value the NBA regular season is. Like, we got the one seed in the Eastern Conference getting rocked right now. Now, that's cool from an upset perspective, but at the same time, what are we going to continue to think of this NBA regular season? Because more and more players are going to watch how Butler's doing this and watch how Kawhi does it. And they're just going to say to themselves, I want to be fresh come playoff time. And the only way to do that is to take off plenty of time during the regular season. Now, in fairness to Jimmy, he had a heck of a second half of the season as well. I don't know if I would totally liken it to like a Kawhi Leonard situation. Kawhi Leonard has played in something like 50% of his games since becoming a Clipper. I mean, he certainly, with the injuries and the knees, and the, uh, he, it feels like he's never out there. Jimmy Butler doesn't feel like that. Jimmy Butler, though, does feel like a guy who maybe takes his foot off the gas pedal a little bit in the regular season, and we don't notice it because he's still a great player, and he's still great for the Heat, but we notice it once he presses the pedal back down in the postseason. It becomes obvious how great he actually is. I mean, last night, he set the franchise postseason record for points in the first quarter and in the fourth quarter in the same game. He put up 22 in the first 21 points in the fourth quarter. He became the ninth player in postseason history to score 50 points while committing no more than a single turnover. I could go on and on about these statistics. They are absolutely mind-boggling. He's now true shooting 70.8% on a 34.3 usage rate in this series, scoring 36 and a half a night. He is doing it alongside Caleb Martin and Max Struess. He doesn't even have Tyler Hero out with him. He's doing it alongside a Duncan Robinson, who was terrible all regular season, and has thankfully remembered how to shoot from the outside in these playoffs. And alongside Bam Adebayo, who frankly, man, Bam's lucky 
because he got bailed out by Jimmy last night. Because otherwise, all of Heat Nation was going to be coming for Bam today. Because Bam does the opposite thing in the postseason, where he goes the opposite direction of Jimmy in the post. He takes a step back in the postseason, whereas Jimmy takes a step forward. A very radical, unexpected left turn there as you were hyping up your Heat. Then you hype Butler. Then you just bury the rest of them. That, that's I did, incredible. Well, I, listen, I'm not bearing like the. No, that's literally Caleb what Martin you just did. The bench you was, was incredible. dirt onto every other member of the I'm team. I'm not, but I'm just. I'm looking at what Jimmy Butler is doing. It is superhuman, and I'm thinking, man, if we just had one other star, I don't even think we need a superstar. Like if we had a star, we would have an NBA title. Yeah, I mean, he was one shot. Like, he was one could, shot away from get being like a an LeBron NBA championship again, and then like a Dwayne Wade, and like maybe like a third guy, like a Chris Bosh. Like if you could put something like that together, it could be really, this is a, really successful that's such for Miami. Bull bleep. This is a player that I'm a Sixers fan. I'm watching Butler do this because we saw Ben Simmons. Year. Like, what do you want me to do? You want me to feel bad for Heat fans? That's you guys had your run with Shaq and D-Wade. Then you had your other run. Then you got your little bubble run. Sixers fans get none of this. Absolutely none of this. By well, the way. Someone has to throw this in there in this segment. I'm glad we focused on the positive with Miami. Someone's got to bury the the box. That was a chicken bleep fourth quarter giving up 41 points and showing no backbone at all during that Miami run at the end. They didn't even try. They didn't even try to stem the bleeding. They just got bulldozed. Looked around with like a deer with the head, head pun intended, with the, caught in the headlights, and then they're on the game five. That was a disgusting second half of the I fourth quarter from Milwaukee. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic, device, and pet and health insurance. Coming up next, can the Suns close out the Clippers tonight? We will get into that series next, even though I never want to stop talking about this series. They're going to make me move on from it. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI 
to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All I want to do is spend the entire show talking about Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. However, the powers that be, which is really just James Steele, is telling me I can't. So I guess we'll move on from that series. We will get into some other series that are happening around the NBA postseason, namely Suns Clippers, a big one in game five tonight. We'll get into that. But first, Joe is going to do what he does best. Let's go ahead and try to earn you a little bit of money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, last night, one and two, minus 1.2 units. The show overall, 93 wins, 79 defeats, plus 21.49 units. There's your housekeeping. Let's get to business. This game tips in 12 minutes. It's the Celtics. It's the Hawks. We're going to bet under 231 total points. Two games in Boston during this series. The average total score, 218 points per game. You had a pace of 99, which is extremely slow. Both games went under. Two games in Atlanta, average score total was 251, average pace was 104, which is an incredibly fast metric, and you had two overs. We are shifting back to Boston. I think the game slows down. Boston's D leads the way. No DeJounte Murray for Atlanta. I could see the fourth quarter featuring a lot of dribble outs as we get out of this game, and Atlanta begins their offseason vacations. Pizza money number one, Boston and Atlanta going under 231 total points. In the lane and gets another runner to go. Devin Booker with a 40 burger tonight. To win at all costs. You know, that's our motto. All time. Great performance in playoffs like that on a road. Game three, 45. It's almost, uh, I expect stuff like this from him at this point. Game five. Clippers Suns tips off tonight. That is a 10 p.m. Eastern tip off. Phoenix is up. 3-1 in that series. Let's bring in some help to talk about this series. ESPN NBA reporter Om Young Masuk joining us. And Om, it's easy for us to start with, you know, Kawhi or Paul George's absence or, or even the Suns. But I actually want to start with Russell Westbrook because here is a player who put up 37. It wasn't enough in game four, but he certainly seems to be trying to carry this shorthanded Clippers team. What have you made of what Westbrook has done? And do you think it changes the narrative at all coming off of his time in LA? Oh yeah. 100%. I think he has exceeded above and beyond all the expectations that the Clippers have. And remember like the Clippers management kind of had to be convinced into this. I mean, Paul George was lobbying hard for them to sign Russell Westbrook if he was bought out of his contract, even going public to the media. Kawhi Leonard was on board with it. Ty Lue was on board with it. And once they convinced management and, and even had, like, parameters set up for Russ, basically like, hey, if you play a certain way, if you, if you take shots early in the shot clock, if you take bad threes, well, Ty will handle it. But he has not really done all those things. He's kind of stayed away from it. He really had... One horrible shooting game in game one where he went John Starks like, you know, he went three for 19. But since then, he's, I mean, since that fourth quarter of game one when he was making all those winning plays, those re- offensive rebounds, the defensive stop and Booker, he's been terrific. And I think you could say, like, the, the biggest strength for him with this Clipper team, especially with Kawhi and Paul George out, is that Russell Westbrook is always available. <laughs> and, like, it turns out, he went from this guy that had to play off of Paul George and off of Kawhi Leonard under certain 
certain parameters to now this guy is their hope of even trying to steal one more win and keep their season alive and try to carry them to put to a potential game six. It's crazy how much things have changed with Russell Westbrook. You know, speaking of Kawhi Leonard, he's out again tonight. What's the status of that knee? If the Clippers are able to somehow extend this series, could we see him back in L.A. for game six? There's been no update on Kawhi Leonard. Um, they just said that he was day-to-day. I would be, I don't know, I guess I guess things could change, but I'd be a little surprised if we see him again in this series. Um, it just sounds like, you know, whatever injury he had after game one that he played through in game two and it got worse. Um, I just think knowing how this franchise has operated with him in the past, they're always going to operate with caution, and so is Kawhi's people. So I think I'd be a little surprised, but, you know, if he's feeling better and, and the knee's feeling better, obviously they would need all hands on deck. They need it tonight, but obviously they would need all hands on deck and a potential game six if they were to win tonight, then perhaps it's a possibility, but there's really been kind of no update on his status. Om Young Masuk joining us to talk about the Clippers Suns series. Om, as you're watching this Phoenix Suns team, it felt like to me for through the first few games they were still trying to kind of figure things out. Which listen, they haven't played much basketball together. Then in Game Four, Durant he brought the ball up the court more. He was you know that ball, that ball was moving around that court, whipping around. It just felt like a different flow for that Suns team. Do you feel like witnessing them that they figured something out there in Game Four, or do you think that one was more of an anomaly and you expect that the Clippers will, are still in this thing even shorthanded? No, I think the Suns are still feeling themselves out. I mean, this is going to be a process that goes into the next round should Phoenix advance as expected. I think you see Kevin Durant at times noticing that, look, Devin Booker's hot. He's going to let Devin Booker do his thing. Um, you know, Chris Paul is obviously going to try and get these guys involved and pick and choose his spots. And Kevin Durant has always been kind of a guy that he's not, you know, he's not going to hog the ball. He's not going to, like, launch 40 shots. That's not That's not him. He is going to, like, work within – what everybody else is doing, and if somebody else is going hot, hey, you know what, uh, I'll let David Booker get his and get cooking. So I think that's part of the feel-out process for them. And in a way, like, it's been kind of the best thing for the Suns that, yes, there's no Kawhi Leonard. Yes, there's no Paul George. You want to win the series. But at the same time, they're learning each other, and they're still being pushed a little bit. Like, the Clippers, without those guys, they still play hard. They're still scrappy. They're still throwing everything they can. Ty Lu is – pretty much bring out every wrinkle in his playbook to try to throw at the Suns. And these games are close up until like the last four or five minutes when then all of a sudden, you know, the Clippers can't score enough points. They just started having some bad turnovers or they missed a few shots. And then Phoenix executes and then Phoenix pulls it out. And I kind of wouldn't be surprised if we kind of saw the same trend tonight. Om Young Masuk, Om, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. So again, tip-off in that game, 10 p.m. Eastern tonight in Game 5. And, Joe, it just feels like one of those games where the Clippers could either show up shorthanded, extra motivated, or they could kind of pack it in and realize that they're outmatched. The shocking thing about this series is with or without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers have owned the first quarter and played really well in the first half. We're four games in. The grand total first half score, the Clippers have outscored the Suns by one point. They won the first quarter in game one by 12, the first quarter in game two by five. They tied the first quarter in game three. They won the first quarter in game four by seven. If they can keep this tight by the half, they can keep it tight the whole way. The problem is the Phoenix Suns are going to be extra motivated to try to 
get this thing over with so they can get some of that extra rust in before the next series. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber, the Kings should have De'Aaron Fox for game five, but how effective is he going to be? We'll get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. It is the NBA postseason. We did just witness the greatest performance in the history of the universe last night by a Mr. Jimmy Butler. But there are some other stories to talk about around the NBA. Let's get to it. Into the paint, tipped away, run on the floor, right to left, and jam with two. It's time for Joe and Amber to run the fast break. Ooh, the fast break. That imaging gets me excited every time. James Steele, not as exciting, but I'll bring him in anyways. What's up, What James? is that all about? That's unnecessary. It's an unnecessary shot. All right. So the De'Aaron Fox uh, expects to play in Game 5 against the Warriors in Sacramento. Uh, but how effective will he be with a broken finger, Joe? I mean, he was pretty solid at the end of game four, right? It's like that injury had occurred. He was still playing, and he was still playing big for the Kings. So I want to believe that this line movement where it's gone all the way from the Kings as a one-point favorite to the Kings as a four-point underdog, I almost see value in Sacramento. I also think Fox has been such a big part of this team that it is going to literally force every other member on this team to elevate their game. They would not be where they are without him and themselves as well, but he's their star. So it's time for everyone else, and we're looking at you, Sabonis, because it hasn't been a very good series at all, stepping the game up. I think it's going to be a – I think he'll be effective, but I think the Kings are going to give much more of a fight than people realize. The index finger seems like a really important finger in terms of shooting a basketball. I mean, just generally speaking, the index finger feels like one of your most important fingers, right? So I don't know if doing anything with a broken index finger – is an easy thing to do, particularly when it involves shooting a basketball. Also, he said that he's going to have a pad on it. So that portion of this is a little weird. But to Joe's point, he stayed in the game after he broke it. He played the remainder of the game, even hitting a clutch three-pointer with less than a minute to play. He finished with 38 in that game. So it appears that he doesn't have a huge problem playing through the pain, because I would imagine the pain was quite egregious in that moment, and playing with a broken finger. I guess if he could do it then, then he could do it again. I also wonder if the Warriors are going to get caught expecting him to not be him. We'll see. A lot of people are giving up a little bit too soon for me just based on this injury. I think he'll be able to play through it. I saw Tyler Hero hit a three after breaking an entire hand. So I feel (laughs) like De'Aaron Fox would be okay after a broken finger. James? Yeah, do we need to rank the importance of fingers? Well, yeah, point? I mean, that's I, easy. I mean, I the have, thumb's the most know, important uh, finger, That's not right? a finger. That's a thumb. Well, no, that, that's a, well, they, it's then, a then What do we say? We have four fingers? Yeah, right? No, you have five fingers and five you have four fingers and a thumb. No, you have know. five fingers. Joe Fortenbaugh is correct. This is a ridiculous take by James Steele. The yeah. thumb, I think, is the most important of the fingers, right? It's what distinguishes us, well, the, opposable the opposable thumb grip. from many yes. animals. Why don't we call it a thumb finger? Okay, Rachel, I, I don't know. I, I'm no doctor I'm, I'm over with here. Her. <laughs> uh, 
All I right, would you say two. the index finger second. How about we just reinvent the whole human anatomy the- because a radio show on ESPN from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, decided that's how it needs to go. I'm, the- I don't know. I'm fine with that, too. Yeah, that the middle great. finger is of the utmost that's, important because it's what important. I want to show to James and I'm Rachel <laughs> right now during this <laughs> segment. I would argue that's the most important. I think that's the one I use the, the most. <laughs> the ring finger is very important uh, because I like to display rings. The pinky it probably finger probably just goes in order. It goes in without. order of importance. Just work your way from the thumb that's most an interesting take. to the pinky least important. That's an interesting take. All right. I'm sorry. I completely derailed the segment. That's my fault. All right. Hawks guard DeJounte Murray won't play in tonight's game against the Celtics. He was suspended for making contact with the referee in game four. Uh, here's Murray on the suspension. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a grown man that, you know, I hold my own and I take full responsibility, you know, for not being able to play, you know, for my teammates and, you know, the fans and just the organization in the whole. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a lot that led up to that, you know, and I think a lot of players can relate to, you know, those frustrations. But also, you know, with me, it's just different because one thing, four games, like I stated, you know, all the refs come to me and, you know, say hello and how much respect they have for me just by knowing their names and coming to them asking politely you know what I can do or my teammates can do to be better you know at the end of the day I'm suspended it's in the past and I'm not gonna sit there and just you know worry about it it is what it is this game actually just tipped off uh the Hawks are up five to two Amber was what happened with Murray and the ref worthy of a suspension I mean, you can't touch refs, right? You can't bump them. You can't touch refs. I understand why the league has a vested interest in protecting refs in particular. So I don't have a huge problem with that. I also actually was very impressed by that sound, though, from Murray, because obviously he doesn't think that he should have been suspended. I felt like, though, he said all of the right things and handled it exactly how you're supposed to handle it in that moment. So good job by DeJounte Murray, who's now suspended for an incredibly important game in a postseason because of it for something he doesn't think should have guarded a suspension. So certainly the attitude could have been different, but he took full responsibility in that soundbite. I didn't have a problem with it, though, Joe. You 100% get suspended for that. There's not even a debate. You can't touch officials if for some reason you don't get suspended think about the message that sends to everybody in the nba "Eh, i guess it's okay to touch officials now then what's the next step you can't touch them you're a high played player paid highly paid player you've been in the league a long time all right it's the playoffs yeah you're frustrated you're losing people get frustrated all the time that's crossing the line i'm glad that after you've had some time to reflect you could give us the it is what it is statement. Awesome. And now your team's without you as they face elimination. Why are players getting suspended in the postseason? Like, what is the deal with this? It's the playoffs. You can't be a sport that's known for taking off the whole regular season just so you can get to the postseason and then get kicked out of games or suspended for games. Like, the NBA has a problem with availability on so many levels right now. All right, yesterday Woj reported that the Rockets would be hiring former Celtics head coach Ime Udoka to be their new head coach. Here's Woj on the hire. 
I think as much as anything, the fact that the league office who had reviewed the independent report that the Celtics had commissioned in the aftermath of Yudoka's improper relationship with a woman in that organization within the basketball realm in Boston, there was nothing that the league office was telling them precluded Houston or any other team from hiring Ime Adoka, that there was nothing that they found to be disqualifying to work again in the NBA. There was a an initial lead year-long suspension in Boston that turned into a dismissal as Joe Missoula was having success with that Boston team. I think for Houston, certainly they met Udoka in person. They spent time with him. They talked to a lot of people who've worked with him, who've known him, who vouched for him through the years in different organizations and came to the decision that they would be willing to offer him their head coaching job and, and make a significant commitment to him contractually. Joe, is, are the Rockets a good landing spot for Udoka? Absolutely. Absolutely. The guy can coach. The guy can coach. I'm not going to sit here and talk about his personal life or the things he was doing behind the scenes, not endorsing any of that, not standing up for it, not trying to sweep it under the rug. But if we're talking about whether you can come in and clean up the Houston Rockets, this guy's got as good a chance as anyone. The Rockets weren't just bad this year. The Rockets, and people don't realize this, are highly dysfunctional. Highly dysfunctional. Listen to Brian Windhorst or anyone plugged into the league talk about the Rockets. It was absolutely out of control. The young guys there, and I'm not speaking for all of them, but the young guys there do not know how to act like professionals. They had a terrible, terrible culture, terrible situation last year. Nobody was bought in. It was an unprofessional environment. And now here comes Udoka, who's got some some pedigree. All right? I think he's going to be able to get him to listen. So it's a good step in the right direction for the franchise. But again, from an on-court and cultural perspective, I'm not endorsing any of the things that took place off the court. Yeah, and it was obvious that he violated the rules of that Celtics franchise and that there was no way after their own investigation into what happened that they were going to be able to bring him back, even though, don't forget, initially he was just suspended by them and there was some thought that he would come back. The Celtics have obviously been able to move on, though, without him. And so with M.A. Odoka, I thought he's going to get another head coaching job, but I didn't expect it to actually be with Houston. I, I, I was a little surprised because I thought that he would have had more of a pick of the litter on where he would end up wanting to coach. And I just wasn't thinking that was the franchise because of those things that Joe just said. Like, I don't think it's a bad hire for a franchise that is looking at a coach that in his first year with Boston went to an NBA finals, albeit only because Jimmy Butler missed that three. Nevertheless, he went to an NBA finals. That's on his resume. So from the Houston perspective, I get it. I understand why they would want to hire him from a coaching perspective. I don't quite get it from the Udoka perspective because it has been such a dumpster fire of a franchise of late. I'm surprised that's the one that he chose to go to a place that he has to, in Joe's words, clean up. Nevertheless, if they get that number one pick, this whole conversation changes. Maybe that's what he's hoping is going to happen there in Houston. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. What is going on with Will Levis in this NFL draft? One Reddit post has changed everything. We'll tell you about it. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. After a post by Reddit user saleagreeable2834, which of course just sounds like a source of information that I trust, Joe, Agreeable2834 posted on Reddit, an account that was recently made, posted on Reddit saying, quote, 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, Will Levis is telling friends and family, Carolina will in fact take him on Thursday. You are welcome. That caused a whole bleep storm, and to, including and especially in your world, Joe. It's literally still happening. As you <laughs> spoke, I watched the odds change again, and I'm not doing that for effect. We've said from the beginning, we're never going to lie to the audience. Like, I'm literally watching the odds board right now. All right? Bryce Young was a minus 2,400 favorite in order to go first overall. That's a big, that's double what Floyd Mayweather used to be in his cakewalk fights. Like double. You're laying $2,400 to win 100. Like no he's one going really number one that. in that yeah. scenario. That's what that says. That, that is telling you this is an absolute smash. He's going number one. And this post shows up on Reddit from someone who, what's the guy's name? Do you have Sale the name? Agreeable 2834. <laughs> Sale Agreeable 2834. Congratulations. You made it on the Joe and Amber. Nicely done. <laughs> I, I commend you for getting this much. It didn't just drop Bryce Young down. It moved him from minus 2400 to minus 800. Like it just dropped from minus 1,000 to minus 800 while you were talking. Will Levis went from 40 to 1, meaning a $100 bet would have paid $4,000 on Will Levis going first overall. It's now plus 425, which means the same $100 bet, instead of paying you 4,000, would pay you just $425 because of a post on Reddit. On Reddit by some anonymous poster who just created an account recently, and yet it has spun the NFL draft world into a tizzy and Vegas into a tizzy because of it. And I wondered in this weird world we live in, where now the odds are such a big point of conversation because, of course, most states have, are legalizing gambling and it's it's something that is absolutely taking the world of sports by storm and all these leagues certainly have partnerships. We have partnerships, all that sort of stuff. So there's that component. Then there's the NIL component where now these college students are empowered and they control their own brands. And because of that, and because they have the money coming in above the table, they often have PR teams and they often have people that are helping control their messaging and also their social media, which creates a lot of power on people just getting their own messaging out. And I wondered when we had on Mel Kuyper Jr., is there some way, I asked him, is there some way in today's world, considering all those things, for these guys to affect their own draft status as they head towards a draft by doing things like planting stories that maybe help things or maybe make another front office scratch its head and think, huh, is there any legitimacy to that story? Now, Mel Kuyper Jr. denied that there's any sort of effect from these things when he was on our show yesterday here is espn's nfl draft analyst it's not a great draft and because of that there are a lot of players that are very hard to figure a lot of players who are very similar and comparable in grade so for me just putting together a board of 150 to 200 has been most challenging probably i've ever had i've been doing this for 45 years so this draft for a variety of reasons is very hard to predict very hard to evaluate, very hard to rate players and feel good about the rating you put on a player. So it is a wild and crazy draft. It's going to be, I would say, I hope it's going to be mysterious up until the end where we just don't know. We think we know Carolina.
Carolina's taking Bryce Young. After that, a lot of guessing going on, a lot of speculation out there, but I do think because it's not a strong draft overall, the grades of the players at the top are not equal to the grades from previous years. In some cases, not even close. Doesn't mean they're not good football players. Doesn't mean you're going to get a really good draft or get some really good players slide into the later rounds. They will, but on paper, this draft is below average from what it has been, and because of that, we get all these wild and crazy stories, speculation, predictions, and we got to love it because I love going into the draft not knowing exactly what's going to happen. That wasn't quite the bite that I thought that it was going to be later in the interview. Mel had also said that he didn't think that a player could kind of control those those stories, that those stories aren't actually impacting these front offices. And maybe they aren't because, of course, these front offices have their own teams of scouts. They do all their own research. Maybe they are able to tune out the noise. But what's interesting to me is certainly Vegas ain't, ain't able to tune out the noise. Social media is not able to tune out the noise. We here are not able to tune out the noise. And so now the NFL draft has kind of become this game of perception where we think draft stocks are rising and falling, whether they actually are or not. We'll find out when this draft gets going on Thursday. Our coverage begins here on ESPN radio at 7:30 PM Eastern on Thursday, but at least in terms of things like the odds, Joe, and what we're doing here, Reddit matters now. Right. If you are an enemy of America and you see how we are responding to this random post on <laughs> Reddit to sale agreeable two eight three four. I would be looking Russia's around looking at, that. <laughs> at every covert operative that works for me, saying uh, we are overthinking how to take down America. We just need to start a few threads on Reddit, which has been done before, and just throw some stuff against the wall because this is absurd. Now, first of all, I hope it's right because what that will do next year for Reddit draft threads would be absolutely oh, incredible. Be with the disinformation. It would make the draft more interesting than ever before because what we want is intrigue. And Mm -hmm. right now we have intrigue. I just don't know how it's going to be Will Levis number one overall. It just, it, it, (laughs) what do you think the likelihood is that that Reddit post is true? I I don't think it's true at all. You got to give me a percentage. Are you saying zero percent? Five percent. Five percent. Okay. No, it's you not put a zero. Number on. I it's five percent. Five percent that that we could all be so <laughs> off, and that really five percent says five percent. Frank White, he is the Panthers' head coach. He said that there is a consensus in the building. They know in Carolina who they're taking number one. Take a listen. Came in my office uh, yesterday at some point and asked the question. You know, it's kind of like a proposal of sorts. You know, and I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, there is consensus, and we're excited. Who is it? (laughs) (laughs) We'll announce that Thursday at about 8 o'clock. That would have been amazing if he had just answered the question there. If it's still up in the air, I want you to pay attention to something. I learned this trick a couple years ago, and I was able to make a few bucks off it, and I'm willing to share it with the people. All right? I'm not going to keep this to myself. I'm not going to be selfish. Watch as many TVs as you can Thursday night and get a look at the color suit that Will Levis is wearing that Bryce Young is wearing that C.J. Stroud or any potential number one overall pick. The guys that know wear the colors of the team. Think about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had like pink and burgundy, I believe, the night he was getting drafted. And it was the great Lorenzo Neal, who I used to work with in San Francisco, when we were still sitting there because everyone thought it was Murray, but the Cardinals hadn't confirmed it because they wanted the whole suspicion. And the odds out there were still like minus 500 that he was going to go first, that maybe it was going to be Bosa. And Lowe looks at me and he goes, of course he's going number one. I go, how? He goes, look at the suit. He goes, you think he's just randomly wearing the Cardinals colors? And I thought, my God, that's genius. So keep your eyes out. 
for the color of the suit. If Will Levis shows up in light blue, unload on any account you can find. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Although, actually, be careful because the Colts also wear light blue. So eh, don't hold. Yeah, me that's that one. true. There's that as well. Although he wouldn't be able to predict that one as easily. It feels like it would only really work for the number one pick because you know how things the chips that's are going to fall there if you're the number one pick. Uh, that's interesting. Look at the color of the suit. And also look at the posts from sale agreeable two eight three four because that <laughs> man or woman seems like they are in the know. Coming up next, we are in the know. LeBron and the Lakers are on the brink of eliminating the Grizz. We will get into that series. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 